Hi guys, welcome to episode 24 from Two on the Tackle. Kaz and I, we catch up, we speak footy, obviously. Talk about our matches and focus last week. Raiders beating the Roosters and the Knights beating the Rabbitohs. On you, you Knights. Save the weekend for us Roosters fans. We also induct our first ever member into the dummy file, you know. If you're going from dummy half to try and score a try, you better bloody score that try. Otherwise, you're entering the fall. Matches and focus for this round, round 11. We've got the Eels and the Tigers. So we go over a few key matchups there. And the other matches, the Derby down south. Sharks hosting the Dragons at Cogger Oval. Could you ever imagine that? Anyway, hopefully you guys enjoy the show. Roll the intro. Kazzy, 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 how are you, brother? Mate, I'm fantastic, brother. We're relaxed and refreshed. Relaxed and refreshed from your trip to the Blue Mountains. Good fun, yes, is it? Yeah, you know, it's true. It's true what they say, you know. They really are blue out there. Oh, yeah? Nice. Yeah. You Mate, you... no, it's beautiful. Great great weekend away. Um, Do you see any blue ducks? Nothing to complain about getting away from the city. Saw lots of ducks. Saw blue lots ducks. Of ducks. Unfortunately, um, uh, unfortunately for one poor duck, it got in the, it got in the road of um, old Davy. Oh. Yeah, good old Davy. He's quite quite a good swinger of a golf club, and has was hitting everything sweetly. And the one the one ball that decided to, to shake a little bit, and roll on the ground, happened to, to clip a little duck. But you know, no ducks were harmed or injured in this in the proceedings of this golf game. Oh, nice, nice. He's and quite handy with the golf club. It's quite handy with the golf club, old David. But good on him. Anyway, yeah. Um, what caught your eye of the weekend? Mate, once again, uh, you know we've both got a soft spot for the big men. We love the props running up through the middle. And they put in a lot of hard yards, and they often end up doing a lot of nudie runs at the end of the year. Um, but once again, we've got a lot of big fellas scoring tries this weekend, mate. Seven tries over the weekend were scored by props. Seven. Any doubles? Now, I there was one double. One double. Again, we had a double from a big front row. Now, you remember when I brought this up a few weeks ago? We had six tries. We popped it. So over the weekend... We had Nelson Osofa Solomona with the double. Oh yes. Uh, Friday night. I think it was the first half double. First half double as well. So right. you know, very impressive off the bench. Uh, Dinamis Louis. You know, we all saw that straight through the middle of the Roosters' defence. And Josh Papaliki with a Josh little work and on him. Uh, Martin Tapao got over first as well for Manly on the ambush down there at Lotterland. Uh, Mark Nichols, his first try in four years for the Bunnies. Oh, yes. On no, their no, uh, he'll, be, he'll be glad. He'll be keeping his clothes on come October. And Brandon hamlin Ueli. Oh, now, yes. He's been, he's been scored a this few. Is his, this is his third try in four games. Mate. And all, th- and all three of them have been third. Get so for any of the punters out there that like to chuck a cheeky tenner on a, a front row to score first, $67 he was playing on the weekend. He's your man. Oh, Brandon yeah. hamlin Ueli. It's a good player, actually. Still young, got plenty to uh, plenty to improve on, but tra- uh, you know, trajectory is at the middle, trending, trending yeah, quite nicely. Yeah. A lot of potential, and he's only young, you know. And another product out of the North Queensland Cowboys played for that under twenty side. What do you mean? With a, a few other, played for a few other, uh, played with a few other big stars out there. Billy Army Kickout. What under twenty side? What are you talking about? Was it was is he played early. with um, with Jason Tamalolo? Hamlin Ueli played in the um, for the Cowboys. He was in the Cowboys system. Oh, okay, there you go. 
All right, well, something that caught my eye over the weekend uh, was a Danny Widler article. It's about Josh Alloway yep. sticking up for uh, probably one of the most targeted rugby league presenters in the country, Aaron Mullen. Now, I feel like I'm, I owe her an apology after hearing what he had to say. I would be in that bandwagon that was uh, willing to uh, throw stones at Aaron Mullen. But I live in probably the biggest glasshouse going around. So, uh, just uh, if you get a chance, there's an article out there from Danny Wilder where Josh Alloway sort of sticks up for her, um, and I think it's actually you know rightly so. She's she's she has no harm intending there. Maybe could have been you know a little bit disrespectful, but I think his whole point was she's being um, criticised. But most she's of us that, completely on one act. Yeah, most of us who are criticising her aren't really uh, looking into all the work that she does and, and everything that actually went on with that actual specific situation anyway. So uh, he's right there and, and I feel like I owe Aaron Mullen an apology. Not that she ever cares what I've ever had to say, but I, I feel like that was a fair point and, and good on him, good on him for sticking up for her. There you go. It's not, it's not a bit of a problem, you know, with our, this cancel culture we have these days, eh, Wick? We, we see one thing that we don't like, and we also don't mind a half-truth or a half-story. Yeah. We don't even know the full story. Most of it's, it's reporting from reporting. What do we learn at school where Chinese listens teachers teach us? I remember playing that game in kindergarten. I enjoyed uh, that game. You know? Yeah, you were one so of the ones trying to change the, the story, weren't you? It's out there in the big old wide web of rugby league, and they get in that tornado, they spin around, and they... Spit it out. It could be a car or it could be a sheep. So you don't know what you're looking at. I always enjoyed that game. I never changed the story, ever. I try and keep it to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you God. <laughs> well, you're one, of the, you're one of the few good ones there, Wick. But uh, I think uh, Blunt would be uh, saying it nicely about how you like to be. Yeah, correct. There you go. Well, speaking of saying it nicely, well, I'd just like to introduce and congratulate our first inductee, to the W farm. It happened on yeah. Saturday night between in one of our matches in focus and, and that was he was never gonna get away with it. You know, if he got yeah. another game where we might not have been able to watch it, you know, the Dragons and the Bulldogs, I didn't watch that game. But uh in a match in focus, we're gonna catch her. If you think you're gonna get away with it, you're not, alright? So the warning's back out there. We're sending it out to the whole entire NRL. We've got our first inductee. We're not gonna let it slide McCulloch. The way you went from dummy half on Saturday night was atrocious, and I'm not having it. Very, very simple, mate. Pass the ball to your halfback, or score the try. If you don't score, how, uh, enter the file, you will. How, how ironic, after last week, him being one of our shining examples of what you need to do when yes, going from dummy half. So I just go to show that he doesn't mind having a go. Now, I will throw, I remember from that game, McCulloch is... Uh, he's in a little bit of spot of bother a couple of times there. Um, I think, now this is, now it's not the dummy file, but it's probably the next, it sits in the case next to it. When a player makes a break and gets real close, and there's a forward hanging there off the dummy half, off, you know, one metre off the try line, thinks maybe I've got a sniff at a try here, I'm going to run at some jagged defence. But meanwhile, there's massive holes out wide where all the players are, the halfbacks out the back, they all want it wide. And bang, the ball goes to Aiden Guerra. A one man runs at five. Bapao. What do you think happens? He gets tackled. And what tackle was it? First. It was last. Oh, last. Sorry, last. <laughs> so you sit in the trash can and sit next to, sit next to the dummy file. Because you could have, you got the ball, you should get out of there. 
Get out of there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we might have to start a trash can file too, but we'll see how the dummy file goes. Hopefully we can clean that up in the game because that's the ultimate objective is to is to just clean it up. We want we want we the halfbacks getting the ball when they need the ball. Simple as that. We want to see intelligent, intelligent football. We want to see yeah. intelligent football. Plain yeah. and simple. Okay. Now, uh, we've got to run it straight now. Yeah, brand new, our brand new segment, which came, which debuted last week, uh, but we've got, we've got to run it straight. What are you going to run it straight with us, mate? I'm going to run it straight, and I've been, I've been steaming on this for quite a few weeks now, and it doesn't get enough mentions. And uh, the set restarts. We've loved the set restarts to speed this game up, uh, stop the, the defenses getting a break and a breather from the penalty. Then what's wrong with it? But repeatedly, no, it's great, but repeatedly. The, these teams are pushing the boundaries on first and second tackle right off the kick. We're happy to give it away to the awards for another six when we've only had one. <laughs> and the refs just give six again. And you ask any defensive coach, they're happy to get have an extra one or two tackles if they can dominate those first two. Because if you dominate the first two, very likely you're going to dominate the rest of the set and change that territory possession momentum. So, yeah, it's got to stop. It's got to be something, you know, can you agree there, Wick? It's got to be a penalty or something. It's got to be a penalty. I actually saw the the one of our matches in focus was the South Knights game where the Knights had a seven-tackle set and so on zero tackle, it got called yeah. restart. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They didn't get anything. Yeah. It got the it's same ridiculous. amount of tackles. It's silly. And, and for all the little things and twists and ways they change different interpretations on this ruling and they just leave the obvious ones out. Yeah. Like, this is an obvious one out there. They're like, oh, I don't know how the coaches are going to manipulate this rule. I'm like, you reckon? <laughs> but I mean, look how long it got to change. Look how long it took to change the corner post rule wiki. You know, they're a little bit thick up there, and they they're unfortunately looking out in the distance instead of looking right what's in front of them. So yeah, yeah it's got to change. What yeah. about you, Wick? Um, well, run it one of the things that I'm going to run it straight with was uh, it's it was in the game Roosters versus the Raiders. Now I can be classed as quite one-eyed when it comes to the Roosters, but I I'm going to take my Roosters cap off here, and it was the incident between Angus Crichton and Josh Papali. Now Trent Robinson didn't think too much of it. He just shrugged his shoulders and said it was football, and that's fair enough. Now I agree. that could be true. But we've all played football as well, and we all know that sometimes, although it can happen inadvertently, I feel sometimes it can happen purposely. And we, we, we don't mind that our elbow is going to hit them. And, it, and I actually thought it was purpose, right? So then, the reason why I'm running it straight here is I, I don't think the penalty went the right way then, because... If you go one week prior to that, Josh Reynolds is kick, going to kick the ball and he accidentally kicks someone in the face. And then Latrell Mitchell, from behind, dog shots Josh Reynolds and Josh Reynolds gets penalised. For what? For kicking someone in the face. So then when Papali'i gets elbowed in the face, same thing as a kick in the face. It's not allowed. Happened accidentally, but it happened. He elbowed him in the face. And then he whacks him when he's right there in the whole contest, whacks him, and he gets penalised. Yet Mitchell didn't get penalised the week before for the worst incident. And so I'm going to run it straight here. 
I think the penalty was wrong there, and I don't like these little grabby little plays. And I think if people, if the fighting was back, this little shit, little niggly grubby little shit, will be gone, out of the game. No because no you want to catch no hands with Papali? No one's giving no Papali cheap elbows. That's what I reckon. Anyway, Mate, what do you, you know, th- what do you think of it? I mean, look, I, I saw it as inadvertent, but, um, you know, I've been <laughs> many a day called a one-eyed rooster supporter, so uh, I'm not exactly the greatest source. Um, but I could definitely see, look, you can look at it either way. Really, you can. Yeah. And it's very true. Top Papali copped a few knocks to the head that game. Yeah. He copped Jared Warrior Hargrave's forehead. Uh, he copped the elbow. Uh but unfortunately, he didn't cop another shot to the head when he went straight through and under the post. He didn't cop anything. He didn't cop anything. You know how it was either... This this is how bad that defensive play there was by the Roosters. It was either the ref had called out both Mitchell and Lindsay Collins and said you guys are both offside or they're on the take. One or the other. Because they both yeah. just let him go straight through. So I'm not saying they're on the take but that's how blatant... That's how ridiculous that that was. And that ended up costing them the game. He went through untouched. It's not like he went through a turnstile. He didn't go through a turnstile. He went through a yawning gap. Like his parents at the year 12 formal, they opened the door and let him lie on through. (coughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, yeah, you know, we we gave him the wrong whack at the wrong time, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Maybe that's that's really why you wish he didn't elbow him. Correct, probably, probably. Ricky Stewart, and yeah. also, uh, Ricky Stewart, I think he's definitely got one up on Robbo, obviously. He's given me a little stick, the bastard. And as I said in the last episode, if he can marshal his squad, which it looks like he's going to, to a finals berth this year, with an injury to Josh Hodgson, which I thought was pretty much the background of their side, um, then I'll, I'll, I'm going to give it a break. A break. And a few other players in their middle too. So yeah, look like... I think I'd have to apologise a little bit too there, Wick. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm certainly no Wiki versus Ricky, but, you know, I was counting out last week talking about how they're probably going to miss the finals. So, and, you know, just quietly, uh, I put a bet on the week before Hodgson uh, got injured that they would miss the eight of his very juicy $7. And not going to lie, before the game against the, the, the Roosters, I was thinking my money might feel pretty good. So, <laughs> apologies. Karma. Yeah. Karma well- the big- I think we can transition into our first match in focus from that weekend anyway. Yeah. It was that game. Yeah, let's talk about that game. And, uh, that game. you know, the way that, you know, being a Roosters fan, I sort of thought, you know, no Hodson, no Bateman. They struggle without Bateman. The Roosters, you know, they've got to have a tough contest because Ricky Stewart could get his squad to perform at levels that his opposition is. Uh, so I knew they were going to come out and be a contest for a large portion of the game. But I actually didn't think they were going to get the job done. No Hodson. And the way that the Roosters fucking defended, it was as if they were thinking like I was thinking. You don't want to be thinking about me. Yeah. Yeah, it was the old fashioned wake up, wake up and expect to win, you know, without doing the hard work. Um, as Robbo likes to say, they didn't earn it. Uh, they were, you know, they were, they were looking too classy in the first half there. And, you know, there was yeah, not, not the full Roosters, Roosters that we know, but you were thinking going on from half time. But, yeah, once again, yeah, complacency, you know, holes in the middle of the defence and just too many errors. It's This is a theme, if you remember, Wiki, this has been a theme of our these Roosters teams in the past with a lot of class and talent, but these errors that come at these poor times that shoot us in the foot. And look, 
it's much like the game against the Storm. You, you, you've given up ball to the opposition, to a tough opposition like the Canberra Raiders or the Melbourne Storm, and they will make you pay. And in the end, they did. 14 errors we made, 66% completion, and the Raiders made a pay. And, you know, Josh Papali'i had the last laugh. Yeah, he did. He did. Now, one of the things that Robbo's been about with the Roosters is he's, he hasn't been too bothered about the completion rate. I think for the last two years, we've been in the bottom half of the competition when it comes to completion yeah. rate. So you obviously don't want to be giving them the ball over. 66% is not good enough. But the big issue, which he touched on in the press conference, is when you're letting in four tries, you're now making it a coin toss. And it was interesting yeah. to hear it that way because we watch, we've always known that defences is what wins premierships and championships. But to hear it like that, to understand that the idea of the Roosters is that if you give it away four tries, you're now in a lottery. No, worse than a lottery. Better than a lottery, I suppose. You're now you're 50, gambling. 50 You're gambling. You're gambling. And to understand that, if every other team played under that idea where you need to be conceding less than four tries to actually give yourself a better better than better than uh, even money chance of winning the game. Oh, fuck. I don't really know where I was going with that. But it just surprised me that not enough teams are worried about their defence. And it, it shows that we yeah. can go four, four tries. I think he sent me a message the other day, 11 tries in, in the last... 11 tries in three weeks. In three games. So let me... I'll, I'll, in three games. In the last three games. And in the first... Seven games, we conceded eleven tries. There you go. So we've doubled so, it. In the yeah, last definitely. Weeks. Yeah, that's that's definitely obviously what was concerned for for Robbo, and you know, rightly so for this Roosters team. It's what I think that's um, what twenty sixty seven points in the last three weeks. So that's what's um, left him a little bit unhappy. Maybe a little bit of hole uh, left by Victor Radley, or just you know, just a few untidy performances by them. You know. Speaking, I was speaking to Karma before, but I might have got myself a double dose this week after you know having a having a little back and forth with old bloke in a bar and asking him to yeah. confirm the depth of the Roosters. And yeah. now we see we've got all these players out, and well, we're six and four. We've won the same amount of games as Canberra, who we were writing off. So yeah, look, you know, it's not not drama stations for the Roosters, but they, they definitely want to clean that part up. Oh, I was I was thinking that when we got beat by the Raiders, I thought to myself, we probably should have waited a little bit longer to ask for that apology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, serve you right. I'll back the boys in, though. I'll back it in. Um, but just going on talking, I guess talking about depth, you know, when we talk back, we'll just give the Canberra Raiders a bit more love on, you know, who was really great for the Roosters, because it wasn't just that the Roosters weren't at their best. We know the Raiders turned up, and we, we talked about that man, Papa Lee. He was, he was a monster, 200-plus metres, scored himself a try, never gave up, and he had some support. Joseph Harpany, also 19 hit-ups, 170 metres, 30-plus tackles, and the nine. You know, the position we talked about with Josh Hodgson, who is obviously such a, a key part and cog to this team. It's where they run a lot of their attacks, and, you know, he's very much a spiritual leader for them. And the two guys that covered the nine for him, Havili and Starling combined for 18 runs and 170 metres and made 65 tackles. Yeah, that's good. Good effort by those two. I've never... Very impressive. I've never heard of that Starling before. So he was actually impressive. And Havili, I've always thought, um, was never really good enough to be a dummy half 
at first grade level. He plays a little bit of bit of lock forward for them, doesn't he? He plays in you know in as a forward rotation yeah. off the bench. Or even on, so. even sometimes he could come in and and uh, give. Hodgson a bit of a spell. He, I think Hodgson might go to seven a little bit. He doesn't have to, you know, yep. keep running around to the to the dummy half the entire game. Yep. So I, I didn't mind him, you know, filling in a little bit as a bit of recovery there. I've always thought he was good enough to come off the bench and, and fill a little bit of that middle role as well. And because he can add that utility of playing in the dummy half, I always thought he was good enough to play first grade. But yep. I didn't, didn't necessarily think he was going to be much impact at nine. And I think Croker said it in the press conference. He, he says, we forget how good he is at night. So they obviously have a high opinion of him. Hmm. I guess it's just about how they're going to be able to, you know, that was obviously Ricky's great at getting that us versus them mentality. You know? Yeah, which we've we criticised before. We've had five days turnaround. They've had seven. They won't let us fly. We've been fucked around all year. But it don't matter. Well, they want us to give up, uh, build up this grand final replay. I don't give a shit. Fuck it. <laughs> and he got them up. You know, credit to them. They, they, he loves that siege mentality. Now it's about being able to sustain that for, for the Raiders for the next 10 weeks. So, you know, Hodgson's a big part of the way they attack. So it really works. Everything they did worked really well against the Roosters this, this past week. Um, but how is that going to change in, for the rest of the season, really, with the way they try to attack through the, out of that nine role and the rest of the team supports that? So. Well, I think as, as the Canberra Raiders squad, we can really see how good of a culture they have there and how good of a squad they actually have there coming out after the win. Mm. Because if you look at the Melbourne Storm, after they beat the Roosters, they've they've cancelled all the credits from everyone else. No one else are knocking them saying they're not there anymore. They're going to be there yeah. and they're about to gain again at the end of the season. Can yeah. the Canberra Raiders use this victory against the Roosters as a stepping stone to the rest of their year. Yeah, I think definitely they can. You know, if if we know the type of guy Ricky is in, in that emotional, passionate plea that he can rally his troops, um, they beat they beat the Roosters, they beat the Storm, and they probably feel like they should have beaten the last time as well, and they got a bit gutted. So they've been up there with the best team. So why not? You know, this with anything, this weekend showed us. Um, there's plenty of teams that can get things done on their day, you know. Uh, we saw another besieged team who, another team I kind of was starting to think about right now in Manly, get up against you know, the high flying Parramatta Eels. So, yeah, that, just that game... try and rally and get that together as the, uh, uh, throughout the rest of the season, though. That's the consistency and how many troops you got left at the end. Yeah, that, that game would have been our match in focus had they not had as many injuries for both squads. Yeah, well, had Manly had won, you know, the week before, but it got bumped. Exactly right. It got, it got bumped. bumped. It got bumped, and it's actually it's quite funny about that game. You know, you know, just talking about my weekend away um, to the Blue Mountains. I was with a couple of Manly fans, yeah. And I spent Friday, I spent Friday afternoon driving down with uh, with Chris Thanos. Yeah. We were talking a bit Massive about Manly fans. I first asked him. He he was like, "Oh, I don't know, like you know, it's going to be pretty tough, but you know, we believe in him. I don't know, like, and I and I started to get this belief. I'm like, could Manly, could an ambush be coming at Brookvale? I don't know why I got this feeling. I probably have too much love for me anyway. But then I started feeding it and, and allowing it to feed me. Um, so we, we rolled it up and Tannock said, Manly won't lose four in a row. They will not lose four in a row. They're back at rookie, we won't lose four in a row. Then I'll tell yeah, you, I'll tell you, about those Manly boys, I'm telling you, all three of them, Skippy, Thanos, and Matty Chambers, they all speak the same script and they don't even need to talk to each other. They just all... 
without it, they just they are so deadly. They all know the script. They all know what to, they all know how to speak. They know exactly the pulse. That's it. They've got their finger on the pulse at Manly, and the only time that they hadn't had their finger on the pulse was when Barrett was in charge. Since yeah, then, you know, Desi, Desi breeds manly, and as you said, he's got that, that special, that's special dust. Spice, so through yeah. that Saturday, I kept talking about it. Skippy was Skippy was really feeding into it, and by the time we got just before the game, we we know Madison's out, Burgess is out. Skippy said, "What price are they?" <laughs> Three twenty-five. He goes, "Can you put a hundred on it for me?" I go, "Well, I'll go with you, Skipper. Let's put a hundred on each." <laughs> and man, we rode that first half in. The English was in. There you go. And it nearly wasn't. It nearly wasn't, but what a great ride. So look, never, never, that is why you never count Manly out. Never, never. And that's, and, just... why you, that's, and, that's, and that's the sort of reputation Canberra's trying to build, and um, they're starting to show signs of that. You know, they did over the, against the Roosters on Thursday night, and we'll see if they can continue it on. Yeah, well, uh, sadly, that 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 was probably the match of the round. Maybe the Roosters Raiders because the Raiders got the Roosters might have been the match for all the fans. But I actually thought the Eels uh, Manly game was the match of the round. But that got bumped for our other match in focus between the Knights and the Rabbitohs, which is secretly is another Roosters match anyway, really, especially with the Knights yeah, win. We got hey, we got, <coughs> we got a dog in the race. We've always got a dog in the race in a game against the Bunnies. Exactly, um, and, and that dog was and that dog was looking pretty good after sixty minutes. Yes, and uh, Adam O'Brien, you know they take the two points, they take the two points. You know that's perfect, but he'll be he'll be coming out of that match as a loss, I reckon, because you don't want to. And, and this is what's bad. This is something that's bad about South, which I think Wayne Bennett will be able to fix it up anyway. But they started to show signs of their old South Sydney. Um, where they wait until the game's dead and buried before they start to get their spark. And you don't want to yeah. be that footy side. But on the flip side, no. why Adam O'Brien will be so pissed off is you don't want to be a team that needs to win the game twice. Because when you start doing that, you think back to what Robbo says, you're in a coin flip again. And you don't want exactly. to be that side. You want to be a side that once they get to 20 points, new, that's it. Maybe we don't score any more tries, but the the goal from now is that they don't score any tries. And look, if we've been if we've been fair and honest here, um, that first half, you know, fourteen 0 probably flattered the bunnies. Um, the Knights had a lot of opportunities down there real early, and they probably missed a couple opportunities to really put them away. It could have been twenty plus nil at half time, and and really could have been in the thirties. And I mean, even if Callum kicked all his goals, mate, he had a, a straighter eye than. Um, it might not have got as close as it did. So, same old story for the buddies, though. You know, a lot of errors, like you said, not in the game for most of it. And their backs, they've got weapons out there that can make things happen. And Cook starts making things happen up the middle, but just don't have the forward pack to go with the best team. Yeah. And anyway, with a few key matches of, uh, sorry, uh, what's it? A few mac, not matches, a few key matchups match in the game. One of the ones that I was very interested in was the battle between. Uh, what's his name? Best? What's his fucking first name? Bradman Best. Bradman Best. How do you forget that name? I was going to call him Adam Best, but it's not. It's not. It's Bradman, of course. Just a dog. Um, so I was keen to watch him up against James Roberts. He did get the better of James Roberts. You can clearly tell that Roberts isn't at his best. He ended up getting injured in the game anyway, so he'll be out for a little bit, a little while there as well. But the regardless of how good 
Roberts performs. You can't control well, you can a little bit, but you, you know, you don't dictate to the opposition if he's going to be on or not. It's up to you. You can only control how good you're going to perform. And, and he, I thought he performed well. He set up the first try. Uh, he scored a try. He played well. Up to the line. And he, yeah, and he, he does the dirty work. Runs down there. He does the yeah, tough carries. He didn't make those those sort of teenager errors, those first few errors that you see sometimes where he kind of gets a bit of space and sort of backs himself too much and ends up going out or throws a silly silly offload back in. Like He, he backed the rest of his team, cut back inside, got the quick play the ball, and, and that's what they were doing. And it was, We've been saying this, we said this last week, Wick, we haven't seen Beth get much ball in the last few weeks, and their attack had, had sort of staled a little bit, and they were going to that left edge. Ponga was everywhere. He was taking the line on. And I guess they just got a bit of momentum early and didn't let the foot off it. So it was great to see um, the Knights for that attacking football. Yeah. The other yeah. matchup, though. The he, other matchup. Sorry. Hang on. He, he, also, he also managed to get a ball away. Now, at first look, I thought it was one of those errors. Silly error. Shouldn't have forced the pass. But when they showed the other replay, he actually gets completely free. The yeah. arm free and the offload. Sometimes you can still get the arm free and you still don't give a good pass. The pass yeah. was perfect. Just the winger wasn't ready. That's why he dropped it. So yeah. it wasn't actually yeah. best error there. He did. It wasn't a forced pass. He got free, was able to get it, and the pass was a good pass. Just didn't stick. Um, which he can't it's, control that part. It's exciting to watch, though, isn't it? He's a, he's a fucking man out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, he. He's tough to handle and, you know, another great weapon for the Knights to have a guy like him in the centres. And I like this, this in Inari Tuala. He's been really good for them on the wing. Correct. He does a lot of tough um, carries as he, well, but that's his job. That's his job. I thought um, I thought Connor Watson was pretty good too off the bench in his first game back. Um, oh, yeah. He, yep. Yeah, he came on. He had a lot of work. You know, I think he had maybe <laughs> 14 or 15 runs for about 130 metres, made a bunch of tackles. You know, he was in a bit of everything. I definitely see... Um, you know, a potential future in the thirteen thing. I think he could be he could he could be a thirteen. Now, I remember I remember sort of Connor Watson size and he's at the Roosters, but obviously living up here in Newcastle, I I, I bumped into him over the um over the preseason break. Hey, he's huge. Yeah, okay. Like real thick man. He put on a lot of weight. You know, he's definitely a lot thicker to be able to sort of handle. I guess that middle and that tough side of footy because. You know, there's only so many half jobs you can get, and he probably is in that is in that weird tweener position where you don't quite know what his best position is yet. Yep. Um, and maybe maybe thirteen could be a great role for him. Yeah, but um, you could sort of say the same thing about Kurt Mann. I will get on to Kurt Mann in a moment, but there was another other matchup between the two sevens. What do you think about that? A matchup? big matchup, big yep. mate. That was exciting, you know. Uh, Reynolds and Pierce going at it for so many years. It's, it was it's been an origin trial, um, and obviously the bit of rivalry between the uh, the foundation clubs, but it was great to see both of them with the you know putting a little bit on show. We've both got a forty twenty out of each, which were both great kicks. Yeah, fantastic kicks. Now Reynolds is always very known for his great kicking game, but um, we don't always see Pierce kicking lots of forty twenties. Um, but I think that's what's definitely improved for him, both his long and short kicking game um, since he's been at the Knights. Now they both had a little howler and kicked it dead as well on a couple of short kicks from Grubbers. But yeah, Pierce was too good at the end. He's he's real classy, Pierce. You know, he he's always going to give you a lot of effort. He tackles hard in defence. Um, you know, sometimes he can not quite make the right decision, but that's, you see the traits for why his peers voted him as the best half yeah. um, out of the halfbacks who were there. You know, yeah. he obviously has the respect from those guys, and you know, I'm happy for him up at the night and what he's doing. You know, yeah. 
No, he's playing well. Um, one of the things that I, I think is helping him play well is the way that Kurt Mann's actually found that that uh, number six position his own. He's made it his own. He's been given the number yeah. six. He was very he was similar to Watson in a sense that you didn't really know what position he was. You didn't know if he was an outside back yeah. or if he was a, a lock or a dummy half or a six. Uh, but what you did know and from just watching him and the way that he sort of carried himself with the Dragons was he was a competitor. He was always, yeah. you know, he was confident in his ability I didn't think he was going to be able to fill that six role. I actually thought it should have gone to Watson, but Adam O'Brien gave him the confidence to uh, to get, have that position. Now in the first half, he played on the left hand side. Now I said last week the way that the Knights shape up, it's a little bit strange how they shape up. Now strange in the sense it's not a, it doesn't look symmetrical. Because you usually, yeah. you know, you usually have a half on either side, or you might have your halfback play through the middle, and then you have a ball player on either side. Whereas mm. Ponga's strength is on the left, and Kurt Mann's on the left, so it sort of looks like they've got Mitchell Pierce, you know, playing on both sides. But then if mm. he jumps to the left, he's got two ball players outside him. When really Kurt yeah. Mann's not the ball player when he parks on the left. He's he's whatever's required he's for the right play. Up. So. So, you know, sometimes Caleb Pong will find himself on the right-hand side, and he did manage to make a break there on the weekend, but we all know he's had a lot more success on the left-hand side. So you wonder, you know, yeah. why have they got Kurt Mann on that side when Ponga is probably better on that side? Well, firstly, when, he's on the le- when Mann plays on the left, he actually plays whatever's required for him on that play. So he's a ball running six. He just has to run the ball. You know, it's like an extra back row yeah, or an extra centre um, with the ability to ball yeah. play if it's required. So, and he's got a lot of speed. And, yeah, plenty of speed. So what, I, what I'm getting at, though, is if they go with a shift and they've got two of the ball players on that side, he's definitely, he's just an extra centre, really. Right? Mm. Sometimes they might just go and it might be Pierce ball play and they might have Fitzgibbon going through to the line and then they might have man out the back sometimes or again. He might just play as an extra center, depending on how Pong is shaping up, whether he comes and wants to be a part of that play or not, or whether he's available for that play or not. But they scored all their points in the first half. I think they scored one try in the second half, was off a grubber. But in the second half, they put man to the right-hand side and they dried up their points. No, I'm sorry. It may not have dried up their points, but their points dried up. So it makes me think, although it may look strange because it's not symmetrical, it's actually quite effective because it's another, it's 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 unusual. You got you know what is he doing? Is he gonna is he in the what's he doing? It's just a, it's just an unusual shape because you're not used to seeing you know, used to say two 5'8s running at you with a halfback inside them. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like it yeah, might not sure. even be two five eights. It's actually probably two back rowers. It's Fitzgibbon and Kurt Mann yeah. trying you know falling into that hole. And yeah, so exactly. You know, although yeah, it may not be coming out of yeah, it may not be conventional or symmetrical or whatever. It's effective, and that's the most important thing. Is is it effective? Mm-hmm. Don't worry about what everyone yeah. else is doing. So well, yeah, and look for most of that game. You know, for sixty-five minutes of that game, it looked like it was going to be a real masterclass from the Knights, and for the most part, it was. But not for those three tries and seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So a lot yeah. of positive things for the Knights. A lot of great things to see from them. You know, their defense for the most part is holding true. And they're starting to, you know, show where they can create points, but yeah. it's still not quite a full piece. For me, though, if defense is a is a it's a forty minute it's a forty minute block, 
it's a half. Yeah. For me. Yeah. So if they were good for the first half, okay, one, they get a score out of, you know, one, what is it? One or zero. It's a binary. Yep. They get one or zero. Binary, yeah. And I give them one. And in the second half, if you only defend for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 35 minutes, that's a zero. I'm sorry. You can still concede tries. You can still concede tries and still get a one. But it's yeah. if you just leap for fucking seven minutes, that's a zero. Mm. Because you've like just completely week, clocked off. Last, last week against Parramatta, they would have got two ones. Two ones. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. Because they only conceded... A, they only conceded no, they scored... They, they conceded the two tries, but yeah. They lost, it, they lost the game, but it wasn't because of their defence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Except maybe the fucking quick tap. Quick tap. But that wasn't defence. That was just a lapse in concentration. Yeah. Which I suppose is a yeah, defensive well, flaw, but it wasn't due to their defense. It was they just clocked off them. Anyway. Well, yeah, they're just not quite a full, a complete football team yet, Knights, the Knights, but that's right, we know that because this is a team that's going to be improving. You know, they've got Tyson Rizal coming next year. There's a lot of youth in there. Um, they, they haven't made the finals yet as this team. So for them, obviously they want to do as well as they can, but making the finals will be a success. Yeah. Uh, if they can, hey, who knows? Maybe they can sneak their way into the top four. That one point, you know, could make that little edge. And they've got a lot of games. I had a little bit of look, look at their roster. They've got five games. Their roster or their, win. their schedule? Uh, uh, their schedule, sorry. Um, I look at their schedule. They've, they've got, out of the 10 games, they've got five games that they really should win. You know, they're against teams like Warriors and Titans and sort of the bottom end. And then they've got five games, which are sort of the contest, where they've got the, they've got the Melbourne Storm again. They play the Roosters. Um, they play some teams around them like the Bunnies and the Tigers. Um, so those, that's what's going to decide for them whether they can really make a top four spot. Um, and then obviously on the other side for the Bunnies, you know, it's very tightly contested between seven and ten there. There's yeah. four teams on ten points. And if you drop games, like you keep dropping games like this, you need to, you really need to be able to win a couple of games that people don't think you should throughout the year to kind of really make the eight or even consider so being able it. to do anything. So haven't, because been out, haven't, been able, haven't been able to surprise yet without. Haven't surprised for the team that. Is it a big call? Is it a team. big call to say that the team that comes eleventh may be on the same amount of points as the team that comes eighth? Like I think this year for and against is going to be more important than any other year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could. It very well could. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty log jammed in there, and if you look at those teams that are through there like it's hard to sort of separate them too much you've got the the Tigers the Bunnies the Sharks Manly and then two points behind them is the Dragons who have sort of won a few put a few together so that, that's 6 through 11 that's 7 through 11 sorry so yeah, yeah. that's I think that'd be fair with only 10 games left um, you know wins like the Tigers on Friday is vital yeah well also I just always think back to that 2018 season when there was one win between one and eight. So surely there could be one win. Surely there could be one win between eight and eleven. Seven, could it be, could be seven It could be seven to eleven. Seven eleven. There you go. Open. Twenty four seven. Seven eleven. Not actually true, but sometimes true. Mm. Yeah. Well we've got our two more matches in focus for this week. Before I get to that, I want people to take note of Ivan Cleary, Ivan Cleary, Nathan Cleary, okay? Now, he's been playing for a while now, but I've started to notice this year, 
the way that he runs his 41, 42, or 41 option. Now, I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about 41 and 41 option. But it's that basic play that every club has or every team has where the halfback gets the ball, he runs straight, and then he comes across, he can either you know, bring a player under or he'll bring a second player under or instead of bringing the second player under, he'll just pass it out to him. So that's a 41 option where you dummy to the guy coming under and then you, you pass it on to the rest of the back line. Uh, you know, as a kid, you probably just pass it on to a guy running it forward or, you know, as you go up through the grades, you might, you know, create a bit more plays on the back of that or whatever. But when he's running that, I want people to take a little note of how he does it. Because he, do, he doesn't do it like anyone else does it. And I feel like he probably gets the most out of it. It's not subtle either. It's quite blatant. What he does is he gets the ball and he'll start to, to he always got to go forward. So he'll go forward first. And then as he comes across, he'll just sort of jog across. And then once he's done into his first man, that's when he accelerates. So he'll either accelerate to get to his second guy and he'll bring his second guy under, or he'll accelerate and either run the ball and create, and he just creates a little bit of indecision within There's the defensive line. Yeah. yeah, correct. Just holds because... Them up enough. He just holds them up. Yeah, and he does it every time. Every time he goes to do that, it's more the 41 option shape. Sometimes he does it. He's obviously got to sell it. So when he's doing the 41... He'll, he'll obviously jog slow. But it's when he does that 41 option is when he starts to accelerate. And that's when he's actually making it. Um, you know, he might not make the break. He might not even make the, the select pass. But that little movement allows for the rest of the defensive or the attack to get a defense that's a little bit mm. unwavered. Now, he actually scores the max ceiling try with that play where he jogs across, accelerates, managed to get outside of whoever he needed to get outside of. He found the space and he took off. And it's something for young halves or all halves, you don't have to be young, to sort of take note in that be, you, there's a little bit of craft in what you do. You know, what is it? It's deception, you know, a little bit of uh, something to make it, make it more effective, really. And it doesn't need to be... Make- it doesn't need to be slow, fast. Luke Keery doesn't do it. He his his way. He doesn't even do that shape. He just fucking runs the ball fast. But that little move that all kids all grow up with, everyone's doing it, going through you know coming up through your football teams. Just a little bit of something different, little spice. You know, I used to play with a guy who used to dummy. For so instead of fuck, it's hard to explain without a footage here, but. It's, you know, you know how you bring the guy under, he'd actually pass, he'd dummy to pass it as if he's going to go straight, and then he'll bring him under. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, just a little bit of spice to it. Don't be so plain with how you're going well, to you go about... Give, you, you've got to give the defense decisions. Don't yeah, you? yeah. They've only got, they've got to have options. If it's only one decision, it's very easy. Um, and look, you know, something, you know, talking about this, this play in depth here, which is something <laughs> that this play would never be as effective. Um, if he didn't have a threatening running game and, and take the line on um, as much as he does. And just like you said, for any young halves, if any young halves are watching, and look, any NRL halves struggling, you would hear it time and time again from the greats about when you... when You hear Joey say it all the time. If your game's not going with it, your kicking game, the passes aren't sticking, just go back to basics and just run the ball and get amongst it. And on the weekend, Nathan Cleary ran for more metres than every single Cowboys player except for James, uh, Josh Maguire. 
is the only player from the Cowboys who ran for more meters than Nathan Cleary. He ran for 160 meters, 22 runs. Like, he was a back row in there. He put a shot on in defense. So, look, Nathan Cleary would get an apology from me. I've casted doubt. Um, I wouldn't say I've, uh, I've bagged him, but I haven't probably given him as, as much credit or have been as, as ready enough to give him a, a lot of praise. Yeah, correct. And to me, there's no question that he should be the halfback. And I love Pierce, and I think he's playing fantastic, but this guy is just calm, composed. He looks like he's Cameron Smith out there. He looks like he's played three on the first grade game. And, yeah, he's impressive. Penrith are a shot at winning the Premiership this year because of Nathan Cleary, so I, I apologise. Apology. Apology is accepted from the foot of the mount. And you've been harping to me, mate. You've been harping to me. So I've stepped back. Yeah, correct, correct. And I'm, I'm ready to be mesmerised. And then, so, um, yeah, good credit to him. And good on him. Um, I forgot where I was going with with all of that. Um, well, oh, that's I think right. you might have just wanted to give it a quick... Yeah. Yeah, sorry, no, I wanted to do that. But as you were talking about how calm it is, I've been thinking of the word for what I wanted to, to use. And I, I, it was a word that I used to say, Richard McCaw, the best at, Cam Smith, the best at. And what, what he is starting to show, which is that word that I finally found again, temperament. He's got yeah. the right temperament. And, you know, there was always question marks over whether he had the right temperament. Uh, because he had such a great half outside him. And, you know, at origin level, we especially for New South Wales, we felt a lot safer when James Maloney was in the side. Yeah, um, great so, so there was a question mark over Cleary's temperament. But for for Freddie to continue with him, there was obviously yeah. something that we weren't seeing. And I think we're all starting to see it this year. Yeah, for sure. That's probably what I wanted together. to get at you. That's what I was getting It is at. all piecing together. and it's He's been with us for a little while now, Nathan Cleary, yep. but he's still only 22. 22, yeah. He's 22 the years The game's in good hands, isn't it? The game is in good hands. Yeah, we talk about, uh, you know, some immature moments from, you know, another guy who's been much maligned or is a bit up and down with Latrell Mitchell and sort of how his temperament and his composure... Um, Nathan Cleary is younger than Latrell Mitchell. Um, And, you know, they're just very different personalities, very different roles. Um, But Cleary, just testament to him. He just looks like a... He looks like like he'll be skipper very shortly. Yeah, well, the way he's going... He's for a very long time. The NRL is his oyster. But I, I think we should get stuck into... Our matches, matches in focus. focus for this week. Round 11, it kicks off Thursday night. Our rivalry game is starting to build up as. Eels versus the Tigers, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, massive, massive game for, for both sides. Always a battle out west is great. Yep. You've got one team coming off a, a big thumping win and another coming off a, a, a tight gut-rushing loss. And, you know, before the weekend, you could have easily thought that the team coming off the big win would be Parramatta. Um, but... Look, it's, this is starting to get to must-win territory games for, for the Tigers. You know, they might sound a bit strange, 10 rounds out after they just nearly put 50 points on the team, but they have a horror run, a horror run home. I'm going to read to you the teams that they have still played okay. the next 10 games with you. Yep. They play eight of the 10 remaining games are against South Sydney Rabbitohs, Manus Eagles, Canberra Raiders, Sydney Roosters, Penrith Panthers, Melbourne Storm and two games against Parramatta. And this is the first one. This is the first one. Yeah. Out of eight, so the other two games, I think they play the Titans and the Warriors. So eight of their ten remaining games. Now look, 
Grant, we've talked about when what that cutoff's going to be for the eight. You know it's going to be probably at least 10. It's not going to be less than 10 wins. Um, 11, will you be a lot safer? Otherwise, we're coming to four and again. You know, you think that if they can win the other, they've got to win at least three or four of these games. And that's, that's basically the top eight you're playing. And the only team not in the top eight is the team that beat Parramatta and Nairman. And by the time you play them, Tom Trebojevic is back, Dylan Walker is back. So they're going to have to be up for this for Tigers. Yeah, well, they're going to have to really be up for this game. There's a big question mark over whether Mitchell Moses will be returning. But I think once he got given his, you know, how long his recovery is going to be, when his expected time frame will be back in he, had a, he would have already had this match. As soon as Valandis released the schedule, he would have had this match in the diary. Injury went down. He would have looked how much now. How long am I up for? He would have known. This is the week that he I comes back. Them. This is the week that he would have come back. I think that's the reason why they rested um, Madison as well. Right. You know, the, yeah. If it was a grand final or a semi-final, I think Madison would have played. Definitely if it was a grand final. The semi-final, he would have played. Uh, Ferguson... I'm not sure about his injury. Same, I think same thing as well. Like it's a little bit of a, um, I think it was a little bit of a back injury, but not like a serious one. Yeah. Or just, you know, hey, look, just have, don't play this week. A little bit of low management, right. a little bit of low management. But I, I, I don't know. I'm not talking about suspicion. I've just got a, a sense. It's not like I just know that as a sporting person, athlete. Not that I'm an athlete, but I know he's an athlete, the Jamaicans. <laughs> um, I know that he would want to be back for any game. Would have been this game. And uh, I just think the, the rivalry that is starting to build between these two teams speaks enough for it, for it to be a matchup in itself. Definitely. You know, there's got to be a few Definitely. clashes. Definitely. Yeah, I, this will be a close encounter. You know, yep. we saw in the Panthers-Tigers game as well, um, another battle out west that it's, you know, it's close and fiery. There's no love lost between the teams out west. Yeah, you know, there is. It's, it's almost, you could say it's the heartland of rugby league, really, Western Sydney. Yeah. Um, it's where all these uh, these little uh, all the all the junior teams are, and all these uh, what do they call them? The, the production lines or um, talent pools of junior yeah. talent comes from. So, and now you know you've got a couple of guys who have both come across the ditch, as they say, yeah. from the Tigers to Parramatta. Um, One matchup that I'm pretty know, interested yeah. in is the matchup between the two wingers, David Nofaluma and Marcus Sivo. Is Sivo going to be playing this week? Hopefully. Uh, look, touch and go. They, they, I think they expect that he very well could, but they're not, they're not sure just yet. So I think they'll keep that close to the chest until we get closer to the match. Yeah. So, well, what, what actually, yeah. speaking of injuries, and whether to, there's an Instagram page called Error Physio. I'm sure people would have heard of it. If they haven't, at Error Physio, get onto it. He, he features on the fan, and what he does, every time there's an injury, he's all over it. All the news that comes out from, you know, all the information is available to everyone. So he's not got any inside information. He doesn't have any contacts with the clubs. All the information that he gets is from the news. And then he takes that information with the knowledge that he knows of physiotherapy and recoveries and certain, whatever whatever the term is, I'm not sure. And he gives you... Expert analysis. Expert analysis on those injuries. The, the, the best rugby league Instagram page going around. It's not my favourite. It's not my favourite. But it's the best. Clearly, obviously, the favourites to the tackle get behind us at to no the doubt. tackle. 
But uh, yeah, if you get a chance, have a follow of him. Um, so that's who I'll, I'll love. I'll, it's good for super coach as well. It gives you an idea of you know whether the person's worthy of making a trade for or not a trade for, or who to trade out because they're going to be out for so long or how long they're going to be out for. So yeah, I think you'll find a lot of value in that Instagram page if you get a chance at NRL Physio. Well, speaking of the NRL Physio, one uh, one player you did mention um, uh, recently is Alex Twal is expected to be back for the Tigers Ooh. this week. Yeah. So that'll be good for the Tigers middle. You know, they're going to have a big contest um, against the uh, Parramatta Eels. Yeah. Reed Campbell-Gillard was an unstoppable machine against the uh, Manly Seagulls, even in a loss. I think he ran for about 300 metres and made 48 tackles. Yeah. Um, I don't know who the imposter that RCG was last year at Penrith, but the man they got here at Parramatta... It's certainly quite a player. So it's yeah, going to be yeah. a big test for the Tigers. Just on that, sometimes you can be a little bit, not the flavour of the month, and if sometimes you you, you a little bit offside with the squad, you're not as enthused and stuff like that. But that could have been the reason. Anyway, what were you asking, sorry? Uh, well, I was going to say, what did you think of the young, uh, the Billy Walters and Benji Marshall half combination? Now, I know they were up against the Broncos, but... Uh, it was a, a completely different hard combination from the previous week. Yeah. And they were certainly able to put on a few more points. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's definitely because it was against the Broncos. Uh, Billy Walters. Yeah, still, is he old? He's old, isn't he? 20, is he? Yeah, he's about, I think he's 26, 25, 26. Yeah. So, so played, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Reggie's. And he's been pushing for his chance. Uh, uh, I definitely like Benji back in that sixth role. You yeah. can see. Well, I said at the beginning of the he year. He offers a lot. I said at the beginning of the year. That Benji Marshall is the best halfback at that club, and Josh Reynolds is the better half than Luke Brooks. Yeah, I said that at the beginning of the year. Now, the Tigers they found themselves in a position where they had uh, potential at the time, potentially the future best fullback in the game. Uh, they had a test front rower, and they had two halves that were destined to be the best halves in the competition. Of those four. Three of them all left the club for whatever reasons. I don't know the details of why they left and whatever, but they're no longer there. But a lot of pressure, sorry, for some apparent reason, clubs get put this pressure on themselves that they are responsible for whoever comes through their system, that they are responsible for not, for making sure they make the right decisions. Now, Granted, you want to make the right decisions, but you want to have a bigger system than relying on someone who performed well as a 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old. You need to have a better system than that. Because look at Lindsay Collins. Did anyone fucking know who he was when he was 20? No. What I don't understand is why the fuck just because he came through their system, that they have to keep him, that they have to please him, that they because they don't want someone else to get him. Well, if you're doing a fucking good enough job, sorry, I didn't understand. Yeah, not many people understand me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but if the it's not about. You losing them and then they go to another club. It wasn't the fact that they left. It's the cl- it's the fact that that club is better than you at making players good. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. he is not good. Would you say he, he's probably they kept the worst of the of the, of the quartet of their talented players? Easy. You know, 
I, I just want to add something to what you just brought up when you brought up Lindsay Collins. Yep. Um, and, you know, I guess you're alluding to the fact that, you know, he's a guy in his early 20s and probably now, just now starting to get a bit more regular first grade um, to groom his way through. And it's something that a few big, big, uh, big names in past grades have talked about having to earn, earn your right. Yeah. And we see it with the Roosters and we see it with the Melbourne Storm with another guy in that Tigers outfit who's probably arguably their best player at the moment in Harry Grant. Yeah. Now, Harry Grant's 22 years old and he's just debuted this year. No, no, he debuted last year. He played a game last last year. Sorry. They played, sorry, he's, he's, he played one game last year. One or two. Yeah. But anyway, I get what you're saying. He's yeah. really come but on the scene yeah, this he, year. He's coming on this year and he looks like he's been he's been ready for, you know, he looks so ready for first grade. He's had a great apprenticeship under, obviously, a great nine. He came as a fifth and a great organisation in the Melbourne Storm. So he's had to earn that spot. Now when he's playing, he's ready. Lindsay Collins has been in that Rooster squad now for a couple of years and he's missed out on two grand finals. Just missed out. Filled in when he's needed. But look at it this year. Like, people are talking about him playing Origin at the end of the year. He's on the bench for the Roosters. You know, and he's only sort of just becoming regularly part of that starting 17, but he's been able to be given time. And I guess it really comes back to someone like Luke Brooks, who, yeah, they probably thought this guy's really talented, and yeah, he could play, and he had this, you know, eye-catching moment in that win at SCG um, as, a, as a teenager, but massive wraps and touts and expectation put on him in comparison to Andrew Johns. What if that guy just stayed in the system and played 20s? And then and played a bit of Reggie's and was in the first grade squad and maybe he's 20 or 21 when he debuts. And maybe... Well, you can't... You can't, you can't sort of could, so why he debuted at 17 was because they didn't have any any other halves. They made, yeah, a, they made a, an example. So it's not the fact that he debuted at 17. It's fine to debut at 17. It's fine to you know be a good talent at that age. That's not the point that I'm getting at. It's that they were so worried because they lost for Fida. They lost to, to Power. They lost, I think, was it the Fox? And there was a couple more players. That when it come to these four at the time, they started to panic, and then they ended up fucking losing all three of them. Now, again, we don't know what went on in the negotiations. We're not aware of how all that went down, okay? There's a question mark over the managers, and the best of those four has left that guy, right? So we don't know. We're back, guys. Sorry about that. Few, few technical issues. Few technical difficulties. Difficulties. But uh, yeah, we're back now. Yeah. So yeah, I was back on. Back on to Luke Brooks. If we missed a few bits of what I was talking about, Luke Brooks, it's, it's not the be or end all. Uh, but what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, <clears throat> part of the recruitment, or part of being a club, or a coaching fraternity, or coach, really is identifying where they are maxing out. And I think he's already maxed out. Ben Arkins mentioned it many times on NRL 360. And he's pretty much said, why does he still get the new guy on the block treatment when he ain't the new mm. guy on the block anymore? Well, he's been around for a while now. He's in his mid-20s. I think we, we know who he is. Yeah. And... I'm, it might sound like I'm bagging Luke Brooks. Maybe. But what I'm actually getting at is if you're not good enough, you're not good enough. It's not his fault that he keeps getting picked. It's the people that keep picking him. They keep picking him. They keep paying him. He's, he's, he, to be honest, he's in the same category as Ash Taylor, if you ask me. 
And is this the uh, uh, this is the line in the sand kind of in a way that now you've got a coach like Michael Maguire who you know is a hardline operator and is trying to set some standards there with the Tigers. He's on the bench now or on the outside looking in anyway. So was he on the bench on the weekend? He was on the bench, yeah. So I, I don't know see him he didn't really do a lot, and you know it was a bit of a rompy, but I don't know what he really offers from the bench. Yeah, me either. Um, Walters offers so, more from the bench. Look, I guess we'll see this week because Reynolds comes back. Uh, not not this week coming, but the week after, and depending on how Billy Walters performs, I suppose Benji Marshall as well. But I'd like to think that Benji, if, they, if he's going to drop Benji again, like he's lost his marbles. Yeah, because the, the, the um, thing the thing I feel with with Luke Brooks is. Um, it's like one of those things where if you take it up a certain amount of your salary cap, you need to get that out of them. Yeah, but yeah, true. That's one way of looking at it, but also the other way of it is it's not that we don't want you at the club. It's not that, you know, we're trying to push you out, but it's all good. Well, once we've signed the squad, after that, you still got to pick the best players. And it's if the, yeah. if the, the most of the money is going to a person who isn't putting in the same performances... Well, then they don't get re-signed or they don't get the same offer next time. That's fine. But now, we can't worry about who's getting paid and what they're getting paid. We now need to get the best players out there to get the best performance. Yeah, no, it's true. It's very true. Look, it, well, we're going to get a test, I suppose not really for Luke Brooks, but we're going to get a test for, for the other guys in his spot yeah. this week against Parramatta. Um, you know, if they can, if they can upset him, then maybe the Tigers can get something rolling a bit and maybe some of those questions are answered. Uh, but if not, you know, it's it's back to the drawing board for them. So it's a real... It's going to be tough against a team that just got beat last week. It, it, they were due for a kind of an off night and they were a bit off against the Knights, but they got it done. Um, but Manly sort of got the chocolates against them last week. So I think they'll be well fired up. And as you said at the beginning of, of this preview, Guys like Brian Madison and Mitchell Moses are definitely going to be fired up to play this Tiger side. Yeah, especially if they're playing. Yeah. Now we've got another match of focus as well this week. Um, they're they're not the two teams that are you know ch- uh, fighting for a top four spot by no means, but this is the rivalry that's been going on for decades. It's another local derby. It's as big as any local derby in the competition, if you ask me. Um, Most definitely. But the, the interesting thing that I find about it, it's the Sharks versus the Dragons at Conger Oval. Now that's fine. They've had many a game at Conger Oval. <laughs> but that's now the Sharks' new home ground. And yeah. the Dragons have to be in the away sheds. Now I'm sure it's happened before, but it, def- it hasn't happened in my lifetime that they yeah, have I've played at Conger Oval in their away team. <laughs> it's the best thing. Now... I'm not sure how that um, how the dragons are going to go about it, or how the sharks are going to go about it. You know, for me, I've always found say, is there a big difference between the two sheds, especially nowadays? Nowadays, there might be a little uh, size difference, or there might be an extra room, or something. But it's more just a psychological fu, isn't it? Yeah, familiarity, familiarity as well. I guess you know, just those, those little habits of a lot of superstitions amongst um, professional athletes. So you might like the way you come out of the tunnel and you're coming from a different direction and normally you've got this as your shed and now you're in a different part of the stadium and, you know, these little things, they can be enough to, to put them off. Um, I find really interesting, you know, about this matchup is 
Uh, they played a few weeks ago, and it was what ignited the, the Dragons. It was their first win of the year. Yeah, yeah. And since since and since that time, um, they've been been able to win four of their last six games. Okay. So, and now on the flip side of that, um, for the Sharks, it was you know it was another loss for them. They were looking like they were sort of spiraling towards that bottom end of the barrel, and since they lost that game, they've won four of their last five. All right. So they're quite so, evenly matched. It was a good comeback as well, and they'll be buzzing. And the thing about this game is, like any derby in the world, it doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter if they're coming first or the team's coming last. It means F all. And it showed in that game when they played last time where Mary was under the pump. And he come out in the not he come out but the ball and that was that was media pressure. I always find it strange that the media just decide whether a coach is under pressure or not. The media choose it. Yeah, yeah. And so the board feel obliged to all right. Well, to put them to rest, we'll have to that. have it a meeting to say yeah, we got to keep you. <laughs> they already yeah. got to keep him. Yeah. <laughs> they uh. It is also quite you, you see it quite often, I guess, for when you see a response from the board, like the you know these ultimatums or these time frames. It's it usually comes from maybe those boards and those backrooms that that haven't quite got everything going cohesively. You know, yeah. you see the strongest clubs they don't they don't bother answering to the vibes. It's like the old expression. I I remember all my mates used to say it to me when you start winding me up and giving me shit, and they'd say. Necessary uh, jinx on him or pressure on Sean Johnson, in the sense that you know he's back to his brilliant best or he's you know dominating the competition. But what I am gonna say, again, he probably has never listened to one to the tackle, but he fucking should. Um, but I'm gonna apologise to Sean Johnson. I didn't think he was cut out for uh, for NRL anymore. I thought he was too hot and cold. I thought he had plenty of good patches, but similar to BJ Lelua. Two and f- few and far in between, uh, but he's actually rocks in amongst those diamonds. Yeah, yeah, We're, he's actually proven me wrong this year. He's been playing pretty good, just because you know, as a, as the halves, they get a lot of uh, credibility for a victory, and they cop a lot of criticism for a loss. Um, even though the, the the squad as a whole hasn't been performing that well, I think he's been doing his best he possibly can. He's he's up there with the best performances of the year. Uh, sorry, best yep. performances throughout the year, collectively, and 
Um, he's probably played some of his best footy he's ever played. Just going under the radar. He's at the Sharks now, where it's not a one-team town. I suppose Cronulla's a one-team town, but, you know, with the Warriors, is the whole country. they only got one yeah. club to talk about, and he's their biggest signing. He's probably still their best player, but he's not performing. The whole club isn't performing. It's all his fault. He could, um, yeah. So, yeah, I want to give an apology there. I think he's, uh, you know, doing a lot better than I was actually giving him any credit for. We're sitting in the top three or four for the Daily M. I think he's only one point off the leader, who is Harry Grant at the moment. Yeah. Um, and it's quite uh, it's quite funny to think this. You wouldn't have thought this coming into the season, but Johnson's actually been the more consistent half of the two between yeah. him and Chad Townsend this year. Yeah, yeah. So, no, full credit to him. Um, I wonder if Hamlin Ueli can get over for a, for another try. Another meaty first game. up? Well, we might have to... I, 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 no, I, I might have a little cheeky something on him first. Yeah, we might have to bump our mate on... Benny Dunn over here at our punters club. He got us a nice hit on the weekend. Might have to yeah, tip him yeah. off. Tip him off there. Have him be early. First try scorer. Cheeky little ball. Even, even, even an even an anytime, mate. Anytime try scorer. He'd be up around the $8. So, yeah. cheeky 20 on that. Beautiful. Um, I don't know. Some good forward packs. I wonder if Fafita's going to play this week. You know, the Sharks have done... A, a, a lot of but they haven't been able to match it with the teams that, that they're not quite as good at. True. Um, and this now, is one of those... The year they, were, they still hung with teams, though. That was a very sharp thing. They had a real close game against Melbourne at, at the beginning of the year, pre the break, um, where they were, they were in front until Storm scored a couple of tries in the last 10 or so minutes, and they got they got hit by the Bunnies um, in round two. So they've been in and, in and around game Sharks. They still don't really quite know what to make of them. And obviously the Dragons, well, they've lost four in a row. So... You know, they we were writing them off, and now, mate, they give themselves a, a sniff of chasing for the eight. Um, they just got to string some wins together because, much like the Tigers, they've got a lot of tough games coming. You know, they've got the Roosters again, Dragons. They're playing a lot of those top four sides. Dragons have got um, the so Dragons. These, sort, these games against these the seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven are key, as we know, because you get that matchup, you get a win, and they get a loss. Yeah, true, true. Well, I don't know where I'm going to go because the home field advantage play to the. To the dragon, dragon oh, dummy. You know, you've got dragon dummy. But they're in that away shed. They're down in the Shire, so for the two or three thousand fans to get to go to the game, I'm sure they'll be loud. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, they'd much prefer to play at Congreve than Tora Park or whatever it's called now, Ramonda Stadium. Well, What's it called? Well, Skymo well, Stadium, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, was it, it used to be. It's just Shark Park now. Isn't yeah, it? That's, that's what we'll call it there, no? Shark Park. Well, the, well, well, when they played last time in that, that matchup we talked of to, to break the Dragons' duck, it was out at Campbelltown. Yeah, yeah. So they were out west. Now they're back in the Shire in their heartland. I don't know. This is a coin flip this game, I think. Well, that's a bit of a derby. And that's why it's two of the tackles matching focus. Anyway. Who, who do you like? Who, uh, who do you like? I like the Dragons. You like the Dragons? I like the Dragons here. Yeah, look, it's uh, fucking tough, man. I think I'm... You know, at first look, I was probably leaning leaning sharks, um, but you get caught in this trap when they put forty points on a rubbish team. Yeah, um, now I was a big fan of James Brown, and I and I don't think the, ra- the the dragons are rubbish. Yeah, neither they do I. They've shown so much more in these last few weeks that I've started to believe that they could potentially make the eight. They've just got to. They need to. They need a bit of luck. I was team. always a fan of James Graham. You know, plenty of plenty of Australians were. We all loved James Graham. He, he, you know what I think everyone liked about him is if if we couldn't be Andrew Johns or if we couldn't be Darren Lockyer 
Or if we couldn't be Jonathan Thurston, we wanted to be like James Graham. We wanted to be the guy that everyone trusted, you know, never took a backward step, uh, pointed at the referee funny. We all wanted to be that guy. And and we all admired that as a football player. He just epitomised the the tough, hard, you know, no-nonsense attitude kind of football player that we all... um, all love to play with, and so, but if you know, what is the uh, father time Beat, yep. beats us uh, all or something? Father time, like that's oh, taxes. No, father, father time faded. was undefeated. That's right. Father time was undefeated. So, you know, he, he got over the hill. He'd been done. The NRL was too much for him. He might even find the Super League to be a little bit too much for him now as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, whatever. But since he's moved on, they've actually allowed. It's actually allowed them to get their best 13 out of the field. Mm. You know, although Clued, you know, we, no one heard of him before. I hadn't heard of him. But he's obviously shown that he's in their best 13. And, and he's really coming into his own now too. He's starting uh, to take a bit more charge of that team, which is great. Dufty at the back, you know, Beautiful. because they're able to still keep... That was the whole thing, is they wanted to try and be able to keep everyone on the fucking field, but they had to try and figure out a way... And the, the way to do Which that was to move James Graham on. Was really, that was it. Sadly, and, you know, but that was and it. would you say as well, though, would you also say, that, um, you know, Ben Hunt moving to nine? Yeah, but that's how he moves there. Because then third, he's gone. It allows McInnes to go to 13 and you can put him in there. Yeah. So then that gets cleared yeah, into true. seven. And look, I thought, you know, the last few weeks, Trent Nairn's been really, really good for them. A guy like Trent Nairn to come off the bench with a lot of experience. He's played rep footy. Um, and he loves the Dragons. You know, that's a great guy to be coming off your bench. And you've got someone like Paul Vaughan just motoring through. I mean, they had Terry Tins back, but he's suspended again. So yeah. they've got troops there. Yeah, they've got I, troops. I think uh, uh, Ben Hunt, I never really rated him as a knight, to be honest. But yeah, people, you know, better, better football minds than me did. And he's showing that he actually is a good knight. Always the, you know, really, when you think, really, really think about it, it's because, oh, the reason why I didn't think he was that good at knight was because McCulloch did such a good job there. Why would you ever put Ben Hunt there? That was yeah. when he was at the Broncos. So then when he signed him for over a million dollars a season to play halfback, again, why do you move him? You know, I could understand him putting, I didn't, I never actually understood why he played number nine for Australia. But, when you make when you sort of make sense of it, he can actually play number nine. But that's yeah. a whole other story. He's showing his worth there. He's it's it, it's actually when you play nine as well, you actually have a lot less pressure on you. Yeah. Yeah, you've got a bit less time to think as well, because you just gotta be busy and active, and yeah, I think yeah. that's been really key for him. The other thing I always think about as well though is, you know, he's a guy that look clearly he can play halfback and nine at at a first grade level. You know, yeah. he's had you know, he's you know had a bit of all times here and there but there's a reason why he's been picked for a lot of rep teams and there's a reason why the Dragons say we'll give you a million dollars a year yeah, yeah. you know he's clearly talented um, but with the little funk that they were in and he's almost clearly sort of not been able to get his best footy out sometimes it changes a bit like a haircut so haircut's a good, as good as a holiday and just the fact of just changing that role maybe down the line uh, I don't know if you know maybe down the line he still goes back to halfback I don't know if it, maybe he's permanently a nine but the old expression if, if nothing changes Nothing changes. Yeah, yeah. So they have to change. They have to change something, and it's worked for them so far. Uh, you know, and we'll see if it continues to work. Because you know, one thing that does seem like too good of a nine to be playing thirteen. 
for the rest of his career. But it's what Look it fits to the team. Yeah, it's what fits to the team. Again, similar to Jason Clark, not only was he a South junior, but team first mentality. And he's such hey, a listen, good player. Andrew John's played five games at Hooker for New South Wales. Yeah. And he's quite often considered as the greatest halfback of all time. So oh, I don't know, know if I told you this, but they showed the replay of a 2002 origin... Was it, 2000, yeah, it was 2002, it was the decider. It was the decider, yeah. and Trent Barrett was 5'8", and uh, Andrew Johns was halfback. But it was when Scott Hill was at the peak of his game as well, so he used to always get picked in all those rep teams. Um, yeah. He'd either come off the bench and he'd play as a ball-playing lock or whatever. So he, he ended up coming on. I, I can't remember if he came on from an injury or if he just got on there because he was you know one of the better players at the time. And so he went on as the edge back rower. No word of a lie. They had fucking Nathan Hyde Marsh and Steve Menzies playing in the middle. This is how, this is like when football was just changing into that, that, you know, very specific middle thirds edges. Yeah. It was just about yeah. to change. Yet at that level, at rep level, it didn't matter still. You still just had yeah, the best seventeen players. Yeah, and they just get them on there. Play, your, play whatever role. Yeah. So anyway, um, and so Scotty Hill went out. And he played there as the edge back row. But this was oh, I couldn't believe it. I was watching Joey Johns was defending for him. Now, yeah. What's hectic about that is the halfbacks, and this isn't a knock on Jonathan Thurston by no means. But halfbacks are halfbacks. See, you're attacking flair. You got to protect them so that they can attack. But no, they went the so instead of him going from three into two in, so from defending yeah. at the half and go to centre, he's gone the other way to go and do the tough yeah. stuff. And yeah. not only does the four in have to make the decisions, so they have to worry about the decisions at four in. Granted, you know, okay, he doesn't have the edge back row, but you can still get him coming at you if you want him to. He's defending where the where the edge back row goes. But although that's what you you know with those big spreads, you you got to worry about that spacing. But be, still, as a foreign defender, you're still defending middle players anyway. And it's just fucking acting. That's another reason why he was the best halfback, was because he was just better than you at whatever it was, whether it was kicking, well, tackling, was, running, passing. And he, was just, he was just a great footballer. Yeah, they all were. They know, all were. And, and they all were. And look, this is something that, you know, a, a friend of ours, that I want to be Queenslander, who often likes to, to bring this up, the fact that, you know, is he so great? Joey's so great. Why, why couldn't he even be the best halfback for New South Wales and Kamali take his spot for a few years? And it was actually Jeff Tuvey as well. And while, while he wants to look, well, Vince wants to look at that as a knock, I look at it as just another string to his bow. Yeah. You've got a guy so talented that can play other roles. So you can go, you know what? We've got Laurie Daly and we've got Jeff Tuvey. So we'll just play Joey at nine. But the funny thing was... And, just... and, and, and Joey and Tuvey, Shared the nine. They both played nine and in the half. Yeah. They both can. They both but have different things. Joe, Tuvi, and then like... used to play hooker for, for Manly and then play halfback yeah. for New South Wales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just different roles for different coaches. But as you just said, you know, his defence was always such a strong quality and he could just offer so much in different positions. And really, it's for the... For the but they're not so in-tune fans. It's just a number on his back. It doesn't necessarily mean that's the only role he's playing out there on the football field. Yeah, yeah. You know, we look at these. There are a lot of these rep teams where you know all, all the position. Look at the look at the current New South Wales. You got four fullbacks in the back line. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and the next guy's cabs off the rank. The guys like Clint Gutherson and Latrell Mitchell isn't in the team, and both those guys are fullbacks. So 
you know, you just fit the best guys on the field. Yeah. And, you know, Joe's credit to being able to be one of the best guys at a number of positions. Um, gay. Anyway, uh, was there any other footy chat that we want to have had a chat about? Pleasure to chat to you as it is every single week, mate. Peace out. Much love. Up that chip. Bye-bye.